welcome to another episode of The Deep Dive. We are finishing up our Daniel Part 1 series in this conversation, looking at Daniel Chapter 6. My name is Brad, uh, joined today by Pastor Belshazzar. Belshazzar. (laughs) Also also known as Daniel. It's the last time we can use that joke until... uh, well, the fall when we but do part we, two. Should we have used that joke? That's probably more the question. I don't know about the joke as much as like the irony or coincidence of. I mean, how often yeah. do we have an opportunity to? Yeah. Do it. I don't. Know. I think we should have. Not frequently. Uh, anyway, we are going to be wrapping up this conversation. Um, again, just disclaimer. Recognize. Uh, I have a question. Yeah. If Daniel. <laughs> In Babylonian is Belshazzar, uh-huh. or was renamed. Yeah. What would Brad in <laughs> ancient Babylonian have been translated to? We had uh, it's like one of those elementary math yeah. problems where you do like a one to one. Like it, it doesn't work <laughs> right. at all. But you know, for the sake of this, um, well, that's right because there were uh, there were the youths in, in chapter one. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Uh, Hananiah was Shadrach, Mishael was Meshach, Azariah was Abednego, Daniel was Belteshazzar. Oh, I said that wrong. Not Belshazzar. Belshazzar was Belshazzar not a good dude. Belshazzar the crazy dude uh, who... Yeah. Writing on the wall, drinking in the temple, or drinking with the temple stuff. Yeah. Belshazzar... Okay. So when you have God literally, literally speaking to you... Texting you direct. Texting DMing you direct. You. DM you. And like... You're still just throwing a party, yeah, and don't have the awareness that the Persians are like <laughs> probably Knocking within on the door. a stone's throw. Like, yeah. I don't know. something's wrong. Yeah. That's for sure. So, Brad in Babylonian, yeah. in what, Babylonian. what would that be? Dude, I don't know. I, I would uh, a bad Brad, a bad a Brad, uh, a bad, a Brad. <laughs> a bad maybe. Brad. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Comment below. Some cultural what would... misappropriation there, but Ooh, uh... that's true. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that was not intentional. <laughs> anyway, right, um, moving on. All right. So my disclaimer. Yes, I said this last week when we did our last week, a couple weeks ago, when we did chapters two through five. My goal was to be a little more consistent, and um, it's been a couple weeks. So that's consistent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will have you know, though, I've already we've already recorded um, week one of United Together. Uh, that'll drop next week. Dude, so, it's a new day. It's a it's new exciting. day. I, I've actually, for Daniel, I've liked this approach, yeah. Brad. So, yeah. Um, yeah, any heartburn at home, I, you know, I sympathize with you. I hear you. I see mm-hmm. you. But, Brad, I appreciate uh, that we're still doing these and that we've yeah. continued to yeah. focus on all hey, of Daniel. Hey, listen, we want to be curious about what's in our Bible. and uh, if we Keep can, the thing open. Yeah, keep it open. If we can create or, you know, a more contemporary illustration uh keep it on your phone right mm. now like the iphone now if you mm. don't use an app it just like goes into the cloud there's something there so listen if you're opening up your phone on you know the uversion bible app and you have to download it every time you want to use it oh there's there's probably something, something there probably something, something there. there uh anyway uh, Daniel chapter six. Uh, so this is going to conclude uh, the narrative section um, of the book of Daniel. So the first six chapters are our story, uh, their history, their um, God working redemptively through um, 
yeah, through Daniel to be a interpreter of dreams, uh, to shows Daniel um, as faithful, uh, shows Daniel in a culture uh, very different than the one that he probably would prefer uh, that aligns with his religious uh, beliefs and freedoms. Um, and then the second half is going to be um, apocalyptic. It's prophetic. It's uh, end times related. It's son of man language. It's it, There's a lot there. So we have intentionally separated the two. Um, we... We, you need both of them together, I think, to, to faithfully understand That's true. Uh, what's going on in Daniel. But it's a lot to sit with all at once. So It's a lot. And, and yeah. honestly, even just to maybe localize this a bit, I can't even imagine in this space, in this moment, jumping into the apocalyptic stuff. Um, so anyway, it's a gift to us, I think, to, to give us a little bit of space to... Um, to process and to, to read, to study, um, to have conversations. So in the fall, we will be doing Daniel part two, which will be chapters seven through 12, um, focusing on, yeah, some of these apocalyptic visions uh, that Daniel documents and what it means for us in a, a culture that is both incredibly fascinated uh, by apocalyptic motifs. You know, you just look at like movies, books, yep. um, those genres, and also very fearful um, and maybe we don't even want to acknowledge that yeah. there will be an end. So um, anyway, look forward to that in the in the fall. Um, but right now, let's talk Daniel 6. So Daniel yes. in the lion's den. This is a, you yeah. know, when you think about Sunday school stories, like this is top. Oh, man. This top is five? I- iconic Sunday school story. You think top five? Easily. Yeah. It's I probably mean, top three. I've got two commentaries on the book of Daniel, and both of them have a lion on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, which is fascinating because, like, even within yeah. Daniel, as we've seen over the last few weeks, there's way more than just the him yep. getting thrown to the lions. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Daniel chapter six. Uh, what I want to do is look at the story itself. Okay. Um, and then use kind of the maybe the second half um, of our time or whatever time's left uh, to get into just kind of the hey, what are our impressions from. Yeah. These six chapters. Okay. Um, yeah, for us. So, uh, Daniel chapter six. Dan, you want to just give us a, a summary of uh, yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. So, uh, the Medes have just conquered Babylon, uh-huh. and Darius is establishing um, the, the Mede rule over this area, these people, uh, these places. And we talked last week about the, the identity of this Darius guy, is, is there's kind of some confusion. Sure. Um, anyway, look back at. Last week's episode, if uh, yeah, you want more discussion on that. Yeah, that's right. Because someone like Xerxes, who shows up in uh, Esther and uh-huh. Nehemiah and Ezra, which follows shortly after these. Yeah, the Assyrian. Uh, but, um, you know, he's a well-known historical figure. But, yep. yeah, so Darius, um, we don't have a reason to think Darius is not real, mm-hmm. but we also just have a hard time locating him. Yeah, there's this, like, Darius and Cyrus, like, who's, yeah. who's who, what... Sure. Okay. So they're setting up uh, their rule. Mm -hmm. And so he decides to set up 120, uh, it's called satraps uh, Mm -hmm. in the translation, but we'll call them bosses. Uh, Cool. Governors, mayors, something. Uh, They're spread out throughout the land. And then he wants to elevate three as big bosses, to quote. Big bosses. Minions. Big (laughs) boss. Um, and so, you see the new minions? Not yet, but it's on my mind. Yeah. I I don't know why it's on my mind. The rise of Gru. Mm, exciting. Big boss. So there's going to be three um, that would be more like provincial rulers over the 120. 
Um, and then we're told that the king really likes Daniel. He again finds favor yeah. with this new king, which is also remarkable because he was close to the Babylonian kings. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I mean, I, I wonder what kind of person it takes for multiple empire rulers to look at him and say, I want him as close to me as possible. Well, we all it's know really those cool. kinds of people, right? Those kind, like my One of my Do college we? roommates was this okay. kind of person okay. where he walks into a room and like instantly finds favor with everybody. It's pretty awesome. Um, it, it's incredible. Like, um, but at the same time, like what we see in Daniel is, you know, when you bring politics in, when you bring yep. power and influence yep. dynamics, like no one was... Like, none of these guys, uh, at least in the Kings, as far as the narrative shows, were, um, were like, too intimidated right. by, by Daniel's person right. or past positions. That's right. It's remarkable. Hmm. Yeah, that's remarkable. And that's, I think that's where um, maybe we can see the hand of God and where, as we read this, we understand something about being the, the people of God both in um, his sovereignty, but also in his, his yeah. purpose. And, uh, so, yeah, so what happens, and this really, I, I, I get why we call it Daniel and, and the lion's den, because it shows God's people being God's kingdom in a very different place and God's provision, mm-hmm. protection, him, he's perpetuating his mm-hmm. name and his people. Mm-hmm. Um, however, story-wise, if this were just being described in its plot line, this is more a story about Darius and scheming leaders mm-hmm. in his organization, mm-hmm. so to speak, than it is a story about Daniel. But um, so what we're told is that people close to Daniel, colleagues, peers, uh, did not want to see him elevated this way. Yeah. And so then their conclusion is, and this is significant, um, they... Uh, Da, 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 da. They couldn't find any any fault because Daniel was faithful. No error was found in him. So they said, and I think this is a reflexive, mm-hmm. they said to themselves, mm-hmm. we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Mm. So because he's not personally offensive, mm-hmm. they go to like the next place. Like, well, something that he's committed to, we can make that offensive to our king. Mm-hmm. And so then they go to work and they... Uh, basically proposed to the king. I think it's politically motivated. They propose that um, everyone in the kingdom be required for a period of, I think, 30 days, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That they pray only to the new king, Mm -hmm. to to Darius, Mm -hmm. that no other god, no other ruler should be invoked. (laughs) Because in that culture, if you are a king, you are essentially like demigod on earth. You're something, yeah. You're hot stuff, um, yeah. And not just for, not just for celebrity status or, or authority. You're actually thought to be more than yep. a man. Yeah. So he, the king goes along with this, and and again, this is why I think it's politically motivated because we find out later the king doesn't want to see the consequence of this fall on uh-huh. Daniel, but obviously he thought there was something in it, and I, you know, I think they're just trying to settle the kingdom. Yeah. You know, if there's any. If there's going to be any rebellion, let's do that now kind of thing. So he goes ahead with this. Um, we, as the reader, know that this is going to lead to tension for Daniel yeah. and a problem. I love uh, what it says in uh, chap- in, in verse 10. Um, the, the, the setup to verse 10 is pretty fun. Uh, when Daniel knew the document had been signed. So 
Daniel wasn't aloof. He was fully tuned in. He was aware. This isn't just something that's happening behind his back. Like, and he goes, mm-hmm. and he and he does the thing. Yep. That he knows mm-hmm. is now uh, illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you even get the sense. I think he's not doing this to spite the king. Um, and that's a really interesting thing. Maybe something if we have a minute or two. Yeah. Because I, I often hear like. I, excuse me, I shouldn't say often. This wasn't Sunday school. But I do hear believers at times point to this passage as an illustration of when is civil disobedience okay, when yeah. it contradicts the law of God. Yeah. However, Daniel, for no spite for his government, and really it doesn't even seem like spite for his peers who mm-hmm. are trying to work this against him, but only out of conviction and humility for his God does he go. And the reason I think this is because we don't hear any of Daniel's inner dialogue, which the text does not tell us that he's having a moral argument with himself. He's not telling us, it's not telling us that he's trying to show anyone up. In fact, what we saw him do in Babylon was persistently bless the people around him, even when they were opposed to him. So I think that's carrying over here. Yeah. Um, Anyway. I'm reminded uh, in this section about uh, some of the words that Jesus has for praying in public, right? Um, okay. In the, the Sermon on the Mount, right? Okay. He's, you know, when you, when you pray... Get right? a microphone. <laughs> right. Get some bright lights. Right. Fog. Yes, yes. absolutely. Okay. No, go and, go and do it in private, right? Yeah. Where your father sees. Yeah. Um, culturally speaking, um, the, the su- Supreme Court has been uh, very much in the news... In the, the limelight, yes. They've, we've talked about the Supreme Court more than yeah. I've ever probably considered the Supreme Court um, in my life. And uh, one of the things in the past week was there was this ruling about uh, praying and football games. That's right. The coach that wanted to lead whoever wanted to yeah. in prayer. In prayer. Yes. And um, just, yeah, very, just a fascinating kind of piece. So I've, I've got these three things that are happening in tangent, right? We're in Daniel 6, where we see Daniel going home to pray. He's not going on the street corner and praying in public. Like It's not on his feed. It's not on his Instagram feed. Right. It's not, yeah, he's not doing a, um, anyway, there's more I could say about that, but uh, he, he goes home. It's not a Daniel right? fast. He does it faithfully. Um, and then you have, you know, Jesus's words, which I think very much, you know, Daniel's actions yeah. embody. Um and then you have this other thing happening culturally where Christians in the United States just really want all of our rights protected and um, to the point of doing the thing in the way that's actually very contrary to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6. Um, yeah. Maybe not in conflict with, but there's something there of... Oh, gosh. Yeah, I remember. Um, I'm I'm just old enough that that I heard as a child significant conversation around prayer in schools um, mm-hmm. and its removal uh, from the school setting. And I, again, like with with you know trying to be as gracious and understanding and loving and mm-hmm. understand what was that like for someone who, as a believer, mm-hmm. went to school one week. And every morning prayed, and the next week was told, we can't do that anymore. Uh-huh. But everyone in the room, or not ever, excuse me, everyone, that, that my apologies, not everyone in the room, but many in the room uh-huh. were believers and 
or Christians, at least in, in, um, family connection. And, you know, that's a strange shift. So I I very much get like the shifting of things Mm -hmm. had to be really disorienting. Um, a way I've been thinking about that is, okay. Um, what would Daniel teach us on something like that? I think, I think if we could pray in schools, we should. Mm-hmm. However, even if we can't pray in schools, we should still be praying for our schools. Yeah. And I think that's where Daniel um, is particularly instructive mm-hmm. about what kind of persistence we're supposed to have. There's mm-hmm. no one who could tell the believer that they cannot get on their knees and bless the people around them. I would be, um, I think it's an interesting uh it's political, it's legal. Mm-hmm. There's a conversation in civic life about what's permissible in a public mm-hmm. sphere that's baked into American mm-hmm. rights and, and mm-hmm. discussion. Like our nation's going to breed mm-hmm. questions like that. Yeah. For the believer, I would hope that we would advocate to influence, you know, for things that are a blessing and good for the people around us. Mm-hmm. But I hope that we never sell out our ability to live as God's people yeah. in God's ways. So again, like my tagline is, okay, we may not be able to pray in schools, but far be it for me, shame on me, mm-hmm. if I don't take time to pray for my schools. Yeah. Because that is what that is what God has given us as believers, to get on our knees or, or bow our heads or take a walk and to ask him for his goodness in this world. Yeah. Like, and that, yeah. no one can stop us from that. Well, and I do think that there's an interesting, like the whole public connection to it. Um, <clears throat> I can pray in a way that nobody around me is probably even recognizing that I'm praying, right? Like a, a couple of weeks from now, we're going to be in um, our first Corinthians series. We're going to be looking at this, um, this idea of, of each believer, each individual is the, you know, you are the temple, right? That, that you are the dwelling place for God's spirit. And, and we should be living in a way where not just, we, we, we don't just have an awareness of, but that like, we are in, you know, community with yep. constantly. So, like, I don't know. Maybe this isn't really necessarily even a, a conversation on, like, what is prayer? But, like, this inner dialogue that I'm having, even in this space, like, can I direct that um, to the Lord as prayer, even mm-hmm. as just thoughts? And uh, so, anyway, I guess that's for me. Like, I get really just confused by the this this posture of I have to be able to pray on the 50 yard line. Um, and that needs to be something that's protected when I'm not sure that's in the scope here. Yeah. It's like, I, I think, um, whether we can or can't and e- whether we advocate for or, or not, yeah. whatever we do, we have to do very humbly. Um, I do think humanity always runs the risk of wanting their government to be their ultimate yeah. something. Yeah. And um, I do think we see Darius like falling to that temptation Mm -hmm. and the people around him trying to manipulate toward that end. Um, And I I don't fully understand it, but even Jesus, uh, when his followers wanted, they wanted to make him king by force in John Mm six, they asked him, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? Mm -hmm. Are you going to set Israel up again? And for Jesus, he basically declined every opportunity and instead pointed to the the kind of salvation that was going to come um, through his death and resurrection yep. into 
uh, the hearts of every people group, yeah. all who would receive him. Yeah. This is a lot of what Paul, um, I think, had uh, contention with was the idea that Christianity was somehow a local national thing mm-hmm. for the Jewish mm-hmm. people. And his point was, no, this is a borderless, this is an ethnicity encompassing yeah. faith that's for the entire world, any who would believe, which was quite groundbreaking. And I find within myself, um, and and sometimes maybe I perceive and, and maybe I'm wrong, but uh, in friends or family, a desire for what's local to be ultimate. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're invited mm-hmm. to be part of a kingdom that that literally can survive mm-hmm. every other kingdom mm-hmm. and that will always seek blessing mm-hmm. and always humbly follow through on its ethic. Hmm. So, you know, Daniel goes to pray, knowing that this is not against the laws, but I do appreciate your point. He doesn't go to Darius's chambers. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really, at least in this <clears throat> setting, he's over these other people, yeah. or he's about to be over these other people. Yeah. He's got significant influence, yeah. but his biggest interest is to get back to his room and pray. There's something yeah. kind of wonderful in yeah, that. Yeah, there's something there. So... um yeah, those busters they come and uh, <laughs> tattle on. Uh, that's your that's your Babylonian name, <laughs> Buster. Buster Shazar. Uh, <laughs> they um, yeah they, they tattle on him. Um, King has probably a crisis of like, oh, I love Daniel, but I also I I, I can't go back on decrees. I can't just change the rules every time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it says my a credibility is at stake. You that's know? right. A lot of times it says the rules of, or the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be changed. Yeah. You get the impression that that was like a national policy for them, yeah. like, or an empire policy. Like, if it's in law, there's no mm-hmm. litigating out of it. Um, yeah, I'm sure that went really well for them in every area. But um, so, anyway, Daniel gets thrown into a pit of lions, um, which. Chucked. Yeah, like. I don't think, I think the Bible does a lot of things very, very well. Actually, everything the Bible does, it does well. Because This the is Bible. true. Um, Not because it's the Bible. It's actually a remarkable feature. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know what you're saying. Yes, there. yes. But this is a, an incredibly well yeah. designed. Like, if you want to know the creativity of the heart of God, uh-huh. become a biblical studies student. Yes. And learn what's going on in the literature and the word. Like, it's incredible. Yes. So. But these are lions. Yes, hungry like lions. Hungry adult lions. And yep. Daniel is just thrown in amongst them. Yep. That's barbaric. That's wild. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. My mind goes to, like, okay, how did they get the lions? How did they keep the lions in this pit? Whose job is that? Who's jo- yeah, it's almost like uh, Star Wars, right? Like the guy who has to, you know, tame the Rancor in Jabba the Hutt's palace. Like, <laughs> that's not a job I want. That is such a great, uh, like, analogy or comparison. Well done. Yes. Uh, anyway. Who, who cleans up after the lions? Do they clean up Maybe after Maybe they the clean lions? up after themselves. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. So Daniel gets thrown in. Uh, the text describes him as that he hasn't he hasn't been touched yeah right they their their mouths are shut um there is a another figure (laughs) that that joins him that accompanies him um i would 
uh, again, direct us back to a conversation we had a couple weeks ago where we were talking about even a similar thing where, um, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are throwing the fiery furnace. There's a, a fourth individual in there with him um, <clears> or <throat> with them. So you see kind of uh, God's provision uh, over Daniel in this space. It's not a coincidence that the next morning, whenever they come, Daniel is still alive. But it's very tentative. I love the way the text tells the story. The yeah. king rushes. He can't sleep. Um, you know, he tried tried to do what he could. Uh-huh. Uh, couldn't change anything. Has a restless night. Gets up first thing. Was first one there. And he calls in, you know, Daniel, has your God saved you? Yeah. And um, in my mind, or at least in my reading, like there's just this, you can't help but pause uh-huh. to see if Daniel answers. Interestingly, Daniel does answer. Uh-huh. That's the most interesting. Uh-huh. The nerdy part of me also wants to point out, th- these are the only words of Daniel in this passage. Uh-huh. Um, D- Daniel, has your God saved you? And, um, oh, I'm so sorry, I lost my place. O king. And, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and read O it. king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. That's right. Those are Daniel's words. Yeah. King, I want the best for you. God has protected me. I am not harmed. Um, you know, God's, God's shown favor on me. Um, and. I have uh, continued to do no wrong by you. Yeah. Which is uh, just remarkable. I'd be like, dude, you threw me in a pit of lions. <laughs> we need to talk. We need to go to couples counseling, yes. Darius. Like, yes. I mean, for real. Like, something's broken here. Yes. Uh, and then um, the other men, right, who accused Daniel are thrown into the lions' den. They become the meal. Uh, very quickly. Yes. Um, and then at the end, we have this decree, Darius writes to all the peoples, nations, languages on earth. Um, yeah. In all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall, shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders on heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. What a beautiful thing that like God not only worked Daniel's provision, but God brought an awareness Mm -hmm. of his name and Mm -hmm. his power to Mm -hmm. a people who by every stretch of the imagination were, would be classified as like a heathen people from a Jewish perspective. Yep. But it's like God's desire is to be known, mm-hmm. not to be hidden, and not to, not even to be known in a way that that crushes another people, but to be known as the Savior and the Rescuer in the name above all names. Like, yeah, what a beautiful thing. Yeah, Amen. Uh, well, we've got about two minutes or so. Um, reflections on the narrative section, yeah, as a whole. Uh, it's wonderful. Um, may I hijack that? Go for it. Minute and a half. One of the most interesting things to me, and this is this is me uh, just uh, thinking, and I, I I don't know to what degree I'm right. So and that those are my qualifications. But when we pick up the story in Ezra and Nehemiah, yep. and we pick up the stories in in Ruth, and we see other interactions with the Persians, especially mm-hmm. where Israel is allowed to go home. I 
I just think there's such a strong connection here. Like God has not only worked for Daniel, mm-hmm. he's not only worked so Darius could know his name and the people could hear. He's worked in a way so that there comes this moment in a, in a little bit of time from now where God is going to send his people out of ba- mm-hmm. formerly Babylon back home in not just peace, but also in a position to rebuild, just like the prophets, yeah. Jeremiah and the, and the others had said and predicted. And it, it's like God's hands over the global uh-huh. stage uh-huh. are so remarkable, but they play out in such everyday stories, like yeah. power politics at a job and the faithfulness to just keep getting on your knees and praying. And like all of that somehow adds up to, you know, God continuing to move his story uh-huh. of redemption forward in this world. Yeah. Um, it's pretty beautiful. Anyway, so good, man. Well, looking forward to part two uh, this fall. Um, We are starting a new series called United Together uh, this next week. We're looking at different uh, snippets from 1 Corinthians and applying, like, how can we as a church uh, find unity, pursue unity in different facets. So looking forward to that. Uh, You can find this deep dive um, on our website, calvary.church slash resources. Um, You can find future deep dives and other resources there as well. And as always, if you have a question that you want to, uh, well, see us wrestle with, um, shoot us an email at podcasts at calvary.church. Thanks for joining us and we will catch you again next week. And for any Babylonians out there, I apologize if I said something inappropriate in trying to name Brad. I would love, would love your help with that. Yes. Take care. <laughs> All right. See y'all. Thanks for listening to The Deep Dive, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.